<sighs> I know. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> and I know people like, um, I know people like emotional storytelling, but I'm, I'm a softy and I feel guilty. Um, and there's only adults telling me so far that it's made them cry. I actually like truly am terrified of what kids think. <laughs> Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at GaySpacePod. With me, as always, is my pugrific co-host, August. Why you gotta punch me in the feels like that? <laughs> um, hello, I'm August. You can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora. My pronouns are they, them, and I am sad about a particular pug. And with us this week, our special guest, uh, creator of <laughs> uh, Dead India and Dead End, a paranormal park, it's Hamish Steele. Hello. Um, I am not apologizing for anything. <laughs> um, I'm Good. Never apologize. I'm one of those heathens you've been hearing about, and uh, I... You know what? I I don't hate anything. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't have an anti-pug agenda or anything like that. I also, I'll not elaborate <laughs> on what we're talking about in case it's spoilery. But um, I also just got a dog. Um, so I also, you know, I'm pro dog. I'm not. I don't have any kind of anti-dog agenda. I meant to ask you, what kind of dog did you get? I got a whippet, which is probably the like. Physical opposite of a pug in almost every way. <laughs> Truly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've said this a few times, but fun fact Pugsley is not named after any dog in my life. He's named after my pet guinea pig that I had growing up. Huh. Who in turn obviously was named after Pugsley Adams. <laughs> nice. Cute. That's solid. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> um let's see there is from what i can tell no uh huge cartoon news luckily no nope. nope. as you can imagine true. uh as you can imagine hamish we've been having a lot of cartoon <laughs> news literally all of it bad <laughs> recently well, we haven't we we haven't recorded since the since cartoon network uh studios got oh, consolidated which oh, yeah. remains to be seen whether that's going to be good or bad, but honestly, animation is a hellscape right now, so. I mean, they claim that they're not dead, they're just turning 30, which is very relatable. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a mood. Um, you know what? Being in the animation industry, it's absolutely terrifying. It's not being good news. But... I still try and maintain some positivity because I do know that a lot of animation stuff is happening. And I think, um, I think the kind of sentiment the other day about, um, cartoon network, whether it's alive or not, I think the kind of sentiment is that while things may not be the heady heights they were, it's still important to like be excited about what is there and, 
uh, support mm-hmm. the shows in production um, because they do exist and they are there. And some things like, sorry to just like barge into your new section. No, but no, like, no. Um, I was literally going to talk to you about this, so don't worry. But things <laughs> like, like um, you know, the other day, Infinity Train actually finally had its um, UK premiere. <laughs> it's never been a it's what? never been available anywhere. <laughs> the UK's never had HBO, um, and most mm-hmm. cartoons. I mean, I, we're about talking about Steven Universe. I have literally never watched it legally, and not because I haven't wanted to. It's just that it never really <laughs> aired in the UK in any kind of sensible fashion. And um, mm-hmm. same was true of, of uh, Infinity Train. I never got to see it, um, especially legally. So I kind of downloaded it um during like a few weeks before all this controversy and like binged it um but yeah it, the the shows are kind of st- appearing back again on certain social medias um i don't know why that's good news <laughs> but um <laughs> i know that like clips that had been deleted from the cartoon network account sort of started appearing again this week oh good I'm just, uh, it, it, it is the, like, in given, this is not, this is really feels like it's just whatever the, the hell is going on with the Warner Discovery merger, like, becoming, like, a clear-cut fire, and maybe, I don't know, four fucking corporations shouldn't own all media, <laughs> but, you know, whatever, um, yeah, You'd think that there were were rules against this. Uh, You'd think, but they got in the way, so we got rid of them. Yeah, true. That is the American way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, hopefully, like, the, the hope is that... I guess, like, somebody sees the the gap in the market and fills the niche, like... But, I don't know. Everyone's got like a weird it, it it's hard to uh especially when like a lot of these streaming services are so gung ho about not committing to long term projects, you know what I mean? I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, me bring I'm sure I'm I'm touching on uh immediate <laughs> concerns that you have. But What do you mean? I mean Netflix is filled with uh What's funny about Netflix is the whole thing is binging, and they don't make anything long enough to like do a proper, you know, box set binge. I mean, when they exactly they became super popular because they had things like uh, Friends in the Office and things that had ten or something seasons, and they never do that with their own shows. It's really strange. Well, it's because I'm sure their whatever their back end algorithm is. I, the, the weird thing is, who was it who was, um, who was it who was recently talking about a show that they had, like, on Netflix? Me? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it may have been. Uh, they were talking about, like, doing extremely well, and still Netflix was on the fence about them. They're like, we were the most popular show in the it world. It sounds maybe like Neil Gaiman <laughs> about the Sandman. Um, That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. If they're very, very strange. Um, and I say that even though they're like my 
uh, boss, but they know they're strange. All the all the like individual people I've um, interacted with there have been incredibly pleasant and lovely, um, and they know that they work for a strange computer who decides what people want to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I am. Yeah. The being on the outside and being on the inside definitely different perspectives for sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, whenever I talk about Netflix and sort of badmouth them, I have to also give them credit because I don't think anyone else would have, um, commissioned my show and, um, especially at the time, which was around 2018. Um, so, you know, I, they are what they are. (laughs) I had a great time working with them. I don't know what's going on with them now, but I also don't represent them. I don't, you know, work for them. So Sorry, you were going through news, and I just <laughs> oh, there's no. that's a, the, the collapse of Cartoon Network and being it merged with quote unquote Warner Animation, which had gotten gutted previously, is mm-hmm. the the only big news that I can find from the like two cartoon news websites that I pull up every time. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you already talked about this, but we are possibly entering a golden age of independent animation as more and more people get frustrated with the studio system um, and want to crowdfund their own stuff. Um, I think we're going to see some cool stuff. I don't think it might be a very depressing time studio wise and, but good stuff always comes out of darkness. Right. Exactly. Cause like, the last time I felt like we had like a really deep lull in animation was also like the rise of like as YouTube is like a primary like form of media watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a lot of things out of out of that that are out, like that are, you know, that eventually came around and got onto some kind of ver- version of a network. Um, things like Bravest Warriors or Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, <laughs> which I still can't believe got an actual network release. So. I mean, I'm sure you know, I know this, but don't hug me. I'm scared. It's made by the same studio as uh, Dead End, so we were making our shows side by side, um, <laughs> which is really fun. Uh, yeah, I would peer in and see something's head exploding, and um, <laughs> be delighted. Slowly shut the door back. Yeah. Like. Um, I oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Basically, the original premiere party for the Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared uh, series, um, on the bus to the party, the Queen uh, mm-hmm. the queen died. <laughs> um, and officially the party did not happen, but some of us showed up um, and uh, very, very strange mood, but maybe very appropriate for something like Don't Hug Me. <laughs> truly <laughs> maybe maybe more appropriate than what would have happened originally yeah oh boy uh, um you can be mean about the queen here we don't care we're, we're in america um thank you <laughs> if you need to be <laughs> also we don't you know august and i have pretty radical politics <laughs> to talk about them regularly on this uh podcast about children's t- cartoons so. well you know what I, one of the reasons I love children's cartoons, and I'm sure it's going to come up when we talk about Steven Universe, is you can tackle very, very complex things 
in very simple ways and very like good versus evil type ways the way that like kids have an extremely clear and pure and correct view of like right and wrong um they're the ones that always like well why can't everyone just be happy and equal and then as you grow up you realize like all the horrible complicated reasons that that can't be but i love writing in kind of ya and kids media because you get to just sort of believe that that kind of stuff is possible that you can just change the world through the power of friendship and clenching your fists and convincing all your enemies that it's all gonna be okay right yeah the of oh, gone august i i thought that you had, oh i thought you had started something and i was talking over okay Alrighty. well um uh, I'm going to ask Hamish first, since uh, since they're our guest, August. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have, you, uh, have you watched any cartoons lately, Hamish? And by cartoons, I literally mean any media. We consider any media cartoons here. <laughs> okay. Um, I was thinking about animation, um, but I... Not to keep mentioning this puppy, but it does, like, completely uh, take over you. And... Um, I haven't been watched. There's like a whole, whole backlog of things I've been meaning to watch. Um, in terms of animation, I'm still quite behind, but I've really been enjoying this anime called Ranking of Kings, which, um, in fact, the main character looks quite a bit like Stephen <laughs> in the sense he has big uh, black curly hair um, and a very sweet face. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have because um, Daniel, my uh, my girlfriend's kid, talks to me. Uh, he he's the one who keeps me abreast on like what is uh, cool in anime. He's fourteen, mm-hmm. and I'm thirty five, so he knows more about what anime is now than I do, which hurts uh, deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he has told me about this series. But if you could elaborate on the series, because I have it has been filtered through a fourteen year old for me. So. I mean, that's probably the ideal way for it to be filtered. I yeah, I haven't got super far. It's um, just about this little boy <laughs> who um, is the heir to the throne of his kingdom. He's a very cute character design. He. Like I said, he looks a little bit like Steven, but even younger. Um, And he's deaf. And from what I've seen so far, I've watched kind of 20 episodes. Um, That aspect's handled extremely well. Um, Hmm. And he befriends this sort of little shadow demon. And the whole kind of concept is that many people don't think that he should be king because he's, you know, not, he's a little weakling, he's a little wimp, Um, but Mm -hmm. he has such kind of determination and I don't know, it does a really good job of you just wanting to pick up this little baby and and cuddle him forever. He sort of cries four or five times (laughs) in the first couple of episodes. But like, He's also just so innocent and lovely. There's like, um, to sort of spoil a little bit, the pilot, like one of the scenes that makes you love him is, uh, this little demon character I mentioned, um, mugs him in the first scene and takes all his clothes. And the kid then walks back to his castle in like a nappy. And 
then he goes back to see the demon the next day wearing even more clothes so that he can give him some more. <laughs> and like, he's so lonely that he thinks being mugged is like making a friend. And it's <laughs> utterly charming. And it does that kind of anime thing where it starts quite simple, but then things get more complicated and more dark. And um, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm actually not much of an anime watcher in the sense that... Um, <laughs> I just can't ever find what people are into and I always discover shows when there's already like 50 years worth of kind of back catalogue to get through. Um, so I'm actually sort of proud of myself at watching something from like the ground. It's like from this year. So usually I'm always feeling quite far behind things, but it's good. I would recommend it, especially if you like Steven Universe. He said, what was the name of that show again? It's called Ranking of Kings. Ranking of Kings. Okay. I'll check that out. Been watching more anime as of late. <laughs> mm. Uh August, have you been watching uh any cartoons that are not voxel based? <laughs> um yes. Um we were talking a little bit about this uh pre-show or pre-recording. Um, yes, I'm still watching Minecraft YouTube. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> that is still, unfortunately, a large part of my life. But um, Anya and I have worked our way through the second season of uh, Dead End Paranormal Park. Uh, we really, really, really liked it. It was very good, very emotional. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say anything else about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't watched it. But uh, yeah. Really, really good stuff. <laughs> um, I believe the general consensus inside of our our Discord server, um, it, the 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 review of this season is uh, quote screaming, crying, and yelling and throwing things. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's the mood. That's the mood. But it's but it it's positive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean. I mean, I'm from fandom. It's going to be so interesting talking about Steven Universe because it's kind of the first time I've gone back to it since making this show. And, mm -hmm. like, I, I'm i never... There's so much, like, fandom drama and history with big shows like that, and I was constantly wondering what ours would be when we made the show, um, what kind of fights people would have, and I've not really seen any of it. I've just seen positivity. And what's funny is that I'll occasionally see a comment on something I post about the show. Like, why does everyone hate the show? It's actually really good. Or, and I'm like, I don't see anyone hating it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What are you referring to? Maybe that's quite naive, yeah, I, but like, I don't know. I just don't see that stuff. The the response that I've seen in the various like media things that everybody has really been enjoying the show. Like, I don't know. It doesn't have the, it, it may, I don't know if it's like a, if it's like a byproduct of like the Netflix model in Steven Universe not coming out or the era that Steven Universe came out in when like fandom, capital F fandom was like a big, big thing. Um, well, it could be, it, it could have to do with the state of Tumblr. <laughs> um <laughs> Like, I mean, I was not, trying not to say that, but yeah. I mean, you know, just because Tumblr is, you know, was such a juggernaut of fandom discourse. And 
I'm not saying Tumblr is dead because I'm literally like looking at a tab that has Tumblr open right now on my on my uh, browser. But, you know, it's it's definitely receded as the fandom juggernaut and things on Twitter are just like Wild West, like (laughs) absolutely bananas in ways that things on Tumblr were not. So it's it's just vastly unpredictable what Twitter is going to latch on to. Yeah, I mean, I I think part of it is that um, a show on Netflix that kind of all drops at once doesn't quite have the same built like uh, uh, I don't know doesn't it doesn't have the same reach as a Cartoon Network show that airs for like four or years or something, um, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone's just been positive, and I think it's partly because the state of animation at the moment, people have. <laughs> maybe become less uh, entitled to quality animation and they're a lot more fighting for the shows and trying to spread the, spread the word and make sure that the online chat about it is positive. Maybe, mm-hmm. I'd hope. So, Yeah. Like, as things are, you know, rapidly disappearing from the services they were available from, people are like, you know what? We're just going to, everybody's going to be nice for a while. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, th- not nice, because I wish we were not in a place where people's work was just disappearing as a tax write-off. Um, but, you know. <laughs> um, weird to do a show about a, a cartoon as a, as a uh, industry compresses, for sure. Um, the... Let's see what uh what things have I watched? Um, I continue to watch G Witch. It's pretty good. Fun. It's a fun, cute time. Um, I never have I described a Gundam series as a fun, cute time. And I'm sure we'll get to the. I'm sure we'll get war crimey eventually. That as is the fate of all Gundams. Um, but it's so far it's been pretty fun. Um. Been, I watched the Owl House, the first of the three Owl House specials. That was good. Uh, weird to watch uh, what feels like half a season compressed into 45 minutes. Uh, so I also thought they were going to be long. I thought they were going to be a full on hour special, but they were a 45 minute special. Like that's not accounting for a little bit less than that when you account for commercial breaks and stuff like that so dope dope on that hand i'm looking um, love it. i'm looking forward to properly catching up with it because during production on dead end i i couldn't watch the owl house um mm-hmm. i really respect it and I, I love what i've seen but i became so nervous about inadvertently comparing myself to to it to to dead end um mm-hmm. I said this a few times, but there's a character in the comics who is pretty much exactly like Hootie, and we had to cut him from season one. And um, <laughs> just, I don't know. And also, like, I know people that worked on it, and, like, I've worked with them, and it all it all got a little too close to home. But mm-hmm. I think they've, dive, like, split paths quite hugely. Um, so I'm excited to binge it all, maybe when it's done. Nice. Yeah, I was I was reading about like reading the con- I just kind of assumed the cast got compressed for like 
ease of storytelling purposes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a little, it, a little that as well. Um, it just, uh, I don't know. The two demon shows, like two dogs in the dog park eyeing each other up and... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, the fans are like, holy shit, two cakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. There's like certain, I won't spoil it too much, but there's certain things in um, the outhouse that continues to be like, I'm writing the third Dead Endia book right now. And um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I just, I kind of just want the outhouse to end so I can make sure I'm not doing the exact same ending. Because uh, they are pretty similar <laughs> in some ways. And then also I've been watching Andor. If you're not watching Andor, you should watch Andor. God, Christ mighty, that show is good. Um, really, really loving Andor. Um, the little, the sad little old man dog droid came back this week, August. Oh. Yeah. I know August yeah. really likes droids. <laughs> or robots in general. <laughs> so. I do. It's uh. it's it's the quintessential autistic experience of over-identifying with robot characters. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny thing with representation in Dead End. We have a kind of well, we have a trans main character and an autistic main character, but all the trans autistic people who watch it point at Courtney and say, "I'm that one." <laughs> <laughs> Seemingly that. That that's me, the ADH <laughs> gremlin. I was like, yeah, Courtney, the best character in the show. Yeah, Courtney. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. But yeah, that's that's as, as far as watching cartoons. Let's go ahead and let's get into talking about the movie, the thing that we're here for. <laughs> yes. Um, Steven Universe, the movie, came out on September 2nd, 2019. Um, it was written by everybody. Everybody on the fucking staff wrote the show. It's just everybody who was there wrote it. Uh, like, ev literally everybody is listed as for the credits of, uh, writing and storyboarding Steven Universe. Um, there's Lamar Abrams, Mickey Brewster, Danny Craig, Hilary Florido, Joe Johnston, Amish, uh, Kumar... Jeff Liu, Katie Mitroff, Kat Morris, Christopher Planks, Madeline, uh, oh, I can never pronounce their last name, um, Quirapel? Yeah, I believe that's it. Madeline Quirapel, Rebecca Sugar, Paul Velico, um, Tataka Fumi Hori. Those are all the people. <laughs> Directed by Rebecca Sugar. Um, they don't have the animation, or the, um, the animation studios credits like the I, I well I, maybe it wasn't done over there I don't know um but the Korean studio they usually work with um they usually list the credits of the people who are on that end too but oh well the story uh there's no there is no um official synopsis Unfortunately for us, our, our regular recurring bit is uh, reading the official synopsises for Steven Universe uh, episodes because they're just absolutely, absolutely terrible uh, <laughs> and hilariously bad at describing what actually happens in the episode on a regular basis. I mean, the famously like Steven makes a friend means that it's an, <laughs> an end game sort of apocalypse. But if it says like Pearl discovers something horrifying that she can't forget, it's like. 
someone left something stinky in the fridge. It's yeah, it's <laughs> definitely a joke they were playing on us. Uh, you could definitely tell in the later seasons they were just they were just taking the piss out of out of the entire yeah. process. <laughs> okay, uh, the uh, I guess like the. Uh, the synopsis they have is Steven, now 16 years old, thinks his time defending Earth is over. But when a new threat comes to Beach City, Steven faces his biggest challenge yet. The most like you can replace basically every instance of Steven in there with Goku. And that's the description of every mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z movie. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but that's like what I love about this movie is that it does feel like an anime movie that it's it really does i love mm-hmm. that it's um it is canon but like you could jump to future and miss it and not be too worried but like it's that very special middle stage between both seasons and um I don't know. It just reminds me a lot of like Sailor Moon movies I've watched, or I, I love Super Sentai, and they do these movies, which is just a longer episode of the show, but the camera quality is nicer, and there's a few more <laughs> explosions, and that makes it sound like I'm calling it filler, but like it all—it actually makes it feel more special than if this was just like an extended finale or something. Yeah, you don't expect the mo- like. I, I guess, like, when I saw it, I, like, for one, I, when, I can't remember that, had they announced that Future was happening after the movie, or did they announce the movie and then later announce Future? I can't remember. I don't know. I have a, I, I have a really strange experience with this, um, basically the ending of Steven Universe and Future and the movie, because one of my best friends, so I won't reveal, because they essentially break, <laughs> broke their NDA, um, mm-hmm. just sort of very excitedly told me, oh, I'm working on the next season of Steven Universe. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, oh. And I didn't know until later that they meant future. Um, but my, I like, first time I watched the finale of Steven Universe, I kind of hated it because... I, not in any of the like annoying discords, why did they forgive Nazi kind of stupid stuff, but in the yeah, sense yeah. where like, I went in so cockily confident that I knew that there was another season that when they like went to the planet and they did all the finale stuff, I was like, well, yeah, no, this is just like the, the you know, penultimate finale. There'll be like the proper thing will happen next time. And then as everything started like ending and wrapping up and and concluding i was like what what was going on no what and i remember like just i mean it doesn't help that Cartoon network always release this at a weird pace which if you like what you're doing kind of binging it and going back week by week and actually mm-hmm. you can really appreciate oh, yeah. the kind of pace of the storytelling yeah, I want the sort of the conceit of the show is that like I have seen the show multiple times and watched it as it came out way back in the back in the day and August has never seen any of it before. And the Steven Bomb format is maybe uh the the worst format for releasing a fucking show in the history of television. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's not too different to a Netflix like drop or whatever, but yeah. it's yeah, going back and realizing that oh 
there's not really meant to be, you know, six months between these episodes, is there? Um, mm. So anyway, this is all to say that I uh, can't exactly remember what we knew going in, but I definitely <laughs> knew that there was more um, and was very confused by <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ending. But like I said, I really liked that the movie was kind of this standalone it's like partly a celebration of everything that came before, partly a backdoor pilot for future and partly right. like just a, a treat, like a, a thank you to the fans and um, definitely inspired by those anime movies. Oh yeah. You can mm-hmm. feel that DNA everywhere. Uh, let me do a quick synopsis of the movie and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it proper. Um, after an introduction song from the Diamonds, uh, Steven is talking about the the official sort of beginning of Error 3. There's peace in the galaxy, and we are revealed the big, bigger 16-year-old Steven universe. Um, he, he has grown. He has a neck. Um, everybody sound the klaxon. Um, we uh, get a quick... A uh, quick catch up with all of the characters uh, during their song. Uh, everybody... Uh, during the song Here We Are in the Future. I'm probably not going to mention every song title because this is, in fact, a musical. It should be Steven Universe the musical, not the movie. (laughs) Um, But uh, we get a quick synopsis of everybody's deal uh, with Pearl and Garnet and Amethyst. Um... And uh, as that song is ending, Stephen is like, Garnet, are we going to be in this piece forever? And Garnet happily looks into the future and discovers, no, we're fucked, yo. As uh, a giant ship appears in the sky, uh, riding that giant ship, we are introduced to uh, Spinel, who is this uh, Max Fleischer style um, monster with a scythe that kicks the ever-living shit out of the out of the gems uh claiming some sort of slight from the past uh though not explaining it fully because we've got a whole movie to get through um she totally jobs out uh the gems uh but cannot poof steven since he's unpoofable um steven fighting her eventually does poof her with her giant weapon um but something has gone wrong uh, we learn that Steven cannot use his powers, and the the gems uh, eventually do reform, but they have lost all of their memories and seemingly gone back to who they used to be. Uh, quick check-in with uh, the B-team of Bismuth, Amethyst, or Bismuth, Lapis, and Peridot. Uh, we discover that this is the... Re- this thing is called the Rejuvenator. It was a tool used by the uh, the Empire to reset um, problem gems back to when they were much more manageable. Um, they come up with the idea to restore the missing pieces of everybody's memories, uh, beginning with Garnet. Um, the They get Ruby and Sapphire to fuse, but Garnet still doesn't remember her powers because it's only one piece of her particular puzzle. Uh, they don't know how to fix this, uh, as the rejuvenator is pumping, they discover that the rejuvenator is pumping poison into the earth, uh, so they realize that they need to get Spinel's memories back, and the only person who knew who Spinel was, was, um, Pearl, who in her, uh, default form has latched on to Greg as her new, I guess, for lack of a better term, owner, um, they, um, 
stage a concert to try and shake Pearl out of her, or shake Pearl back into her old self. Uh, in this, we get, um, we see Greg and Steven fuse into the fusion steg. This is this fusion I was talking about, August. This is the one we could not talk about last time. Yeah. <laughs> you knew it immediately, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we get a duet. Uh, eventually, uh, Pearl does sort of return to her old self. Uh, she and Amethyst fuse into Opal. There is a duet between um, Steg and Opal. Uh, this seemingly sets something off inside of Spinel, who who runs off from the concert. Uh, Steven finds Spinel at the uh, warp pad. He mentions something about the garden that um, uh, Pearl had told him about. And they uh, Spinel transports them to there, where we get Spinel's backstory. Uh, she was the friend slash toy of uh, Pink Diamond. Uh, and they used to play all of the time until Pink Diamond basically outgrew her. And in the uh, in that way that only Rose can do, uh, she <laughs> left Spinel there for 6,000 fucking years. Um, do it a great job. Uh, we learn all of this through um, through song, obviously. Uh, Steven is like, hey, listen, I know that she hurt you. She's hurt a lot of people, um, but you don't have to be. You don't have to stay in the hurt. You can move past it. I would love to help you move past it, but we have got to like we've got to like, you know, keep my planet from turning into a, a, a fucking center. So they go back to Beach City. Um, oh, also Amethyst gets her memories back. I forgot about that part. I don't know why I left that out of my notes. <laughs> also, Amethyst is healed. She's fine. Um, she's, in fact, the first one. And uh, they go back to Beach City. Um, Spinel turns off the turns off the injector and Steven immediately starts getting on to the like, all right, now we've got to fix this problem uh, uh, track. And Spinel seemingly thinking that he had just used her like so many people had used her previously, uh, sort of turns on him and restarts the injector. Uh, this begins a big fight with everybody. Uh, Garnet finally regains her memories. Uh, the crystal gems begin to f get one over on Spinel because they are back. They're not being taken surprise. They're they're on shore footing. Uh, but Spinel uh turns up the heat on the injector uh flooding beach city with like a poisonous goo uh steven sends the crystal gems off to go help everybody while he faces spinel down alone without his powers uh spinel and him get into a bit of a punch up and while dangling over the precipice of a uh, of oblivion steven is like why are my powers not back this is basically my life um uh i'm powerless Everybody's in danger. There's a gym here trying to kill me for some shit that my mom did. Is this not my story? And then he realizes like, oh, this is my story. But the real story is that I all of that happened to me and I learned from it. I changed. I was able to like learn and adapt and grow. And with that revelation, uh, Steven gets his powers back. Uh, him and Spinel have a talk fight. Um well a sink fight it's a sink fight they didn't they don't do the talk fight they do a sink fight in this one 
Um, the, during it, uh, Spinell sort of has, finally has, like, kind of a breakdown as she's fighting Steven of being like, why am I doing this? Why am I, why do I want to hurt you so bad? What is going on with me? Um, unfortunately, they don't too much damage to the injector and they blow it the fuck up. Um, Spinell is, uh, sorry about the situation, uh, and Steven realizes now with his powers back that he can just heal the world by kissing it. Uh, while all of this is happening, the diamonds return to Earth and they're like, Steven, we've decided to move in with you. And Steven's immediately like, this is a terrible fucking idea. This is not happening. No. Um, Spinell introduces herself to the diamonds who are like, oh, hey, Spinell, we remember you vaguely. Uh, you remind us of pink. We're going to adopt you basically now. <laughs> um the and uh from there beach city is not saved uh but less destroyed like is no longer actively being destroyed and um, we get a montage of steven um and the crystal gems and all of the homeworld gems helping to uh fix beach city over like an ending montage uh and we get a broadway style finale Star wipe the end. Hard to describe a movie without like just sitting here for 30 minutes describing a movie. <laughs> a lot easier when they're 10 minute episodes. Mm. Yeah. Well done. Um, yeah. The, the, the level of commitment that this that they sat down with and they were like, we're going to do literally a Broadway musical that is, in fact, an anime movie. <laughs> and being able to do both of those things so well. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, the, the conceit oh. is super good. Mm -hmm. And you've not seen the episode before, right? August has not, no. Yeah. Yeah, I'd not seen the movie before now. So what did you think? So, overall, it was pretty enjoyable, but I feel like... I couldn't help but compare it to like the the finale, the last uh, four episodes or five episodes of season five, where like. I don't know, it it felt weaker, like it felt weaker to me than the finale of season five in some ways. And I think part of it's just because they had. I don't know, it's hard to. They they. They had the longer runtime. They knew they had the longer runtime and they did a lot with it, but in some ways it still felt too compressed. Like, I feel like if this had been, if this had been an equal number of individual episodes, it would have hit a little harder or been a little, a little better paced in some ways. But Overall, I still I still enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun and I loved I loved most of the songs in it. It was uh really good, but um I don't know. It's I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the finale of season five. That's fair. I think it's positioned differently too. Like it's um Yeah. It also doesn't have the same I feel like it also doesn't have the same kinetic energy as like a thing ending. You know what I mean? Um, but the. Because I 
if I understand the, uh, Hamish might know this better because, you know, they know somebody who worked on the production. (laughs) Then I don't. I've just (laughs) read things. Um, But like the way I understand it is like Netflix or not Netflix. Sorry. um, Cartoon Network was like, all right, we're canceling the show. All right, you're getting a movie now. <laughs> All right, you're getting another season as well. Um, after they, seemingly after they win a bunch of awards, Cartoon Network backpedaling, being like, no, 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 look how progressive we are. Um, I mean, I don't know, tr- I don't know officially, but um, animation happens so much. Like the episodes would be being worked on. Mm-hmm like months or years before they even air. So I could totally imagine them canceling it mid-production or telling them that's where you're ending. Um, I know there's stories about the gay wedding kind of mm-hmm. controversy and, and how they were handling that. Um, so there's that. And then as it actually airs and they realize how many people like it, I can totally imagine them backpedaling. Um, I mean, I had a very different experience. I'm sure, August, that you were told repeatedly, like, we are going into the finale. Uh, and so that was kind of, I don't know, did, did the end of the show, like, spring up on you randomly? Or were you told? Um, I mean, I was, I was told that we were going into the finale just because, like, you know, looking at looking at how many episodes are left in the in the series, it's like, okay, this is this is finale territory. There's no way to uh avoid knowing that when you're watching it uh on a streaming service. Yeah. Um but um like I don't know, it's maybe maybe it is like the anime, like the full on anime influence that that got me just because it, it felt, it felt like it was paced so differently from the way that the show was paced, even the, even the finale, which I know felt to me, it felt rushed. Um, I don't know. It's, it's difficult for me to put my finger on. I don't know if I have necessarily like the, the media production chops to, to really be able to pinpoint what bothered me about the pacing exactly when compared to the series. But, um, and, and again, this isn't, this isn't me saying I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, it's just, you know, this, we, we talk about this a lot on the show. The series sets such a high bar that, you know, when, when it's like at a 90% versus a hundred percent, it's still, you know, not that 90% is still worlds in a way better than, you know, other lesser shows would have to offer, but it just, you know, when you're, when your bar is so high, it's noticeable if something falls short in some capacity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, also, arguably when we say lesser shows, August almost always means my little pony. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to do, I used to do a podcast about my little pony in a similar format with my fiance. And one day I'd love to get back to it, but my fiance got burnt out on podcasting a little bit. So, um, but yes, it is almost always think I'm almost always thinking about my little pony when I talk about a lesser show, which again, don't get me wrong. I love my little pony too, but you know, it's girls got problems. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. Like to me, when the movie came out, it was such a relief that there was more of it um, because the finale had crept up on me and felt so rushed that yeah. um, you know it was such a shock and surprise that the show that we had assumed had been like rushed and cancelled was getting like a lavish, expensive movie and another se- season to tie up loose ends. That I don't disagree with everything you're saying. I think it is um, an interesting. I mean, it, it's a it's a type of movie. It what's interesting to me is that all the um, world-ending stuff. I don't know if this is jumping around too much, but like, no, go. We we don't we don't. <laughs> we don't usually follow a format. I think <laughs> also usually the episodes we talk about are 10 minutes long. Yeah. So like it, it's hard to jump around too much. So I'll just go for it. I mean, to me, the, uh, it, all the world ending stuff, those kind of stakes don't super land or like not, that's a bit harsh. Like that, then basically they don't feel as huge as the stakes of all of the characters, memories being kind of wiped. And I think that really does land kind of seeing these characters basically have all of their character development erased is pretty effective. Um, and I actually know yeah. about, I know a few people who really, really hate just like amnesia plots in general and kind of hate having to deal with characters, not remembering who they are. And I get that. But, um, after a whole season of like, after a whole series, I should say of, you know, alien invasion and, and the world being in danger. It's fun that the movie explores a type of stake that they hadn't yet. Um, that's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah the- I, I do want to, to know, I have something in my notes about um, the amnesia plot that made Anya like very upset. Okay. Um, I said pearls are iPhones and ours just got factory reset. <laughs> Do you know the title of that song, August? Uh, no. It's a uh, system forward slash boot dot pearl final uh, parentheses three in parentheses dot info. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've been saying it the whole series. Pearls are iPhones. It's confirmed. <laughs> I knew you would like that. I knew you would love that uh, song title. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very good. Because um, uh, it's, it's almost exactly the format that I named, I named our podcast episodes in, in my, my folders. Because in my head, everything has to be like formatable for like HTML. I don't know why. <clears throat> uh. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, though. Like the 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 stakes of the individual characters definitely lands a lot harder than the the world ending scenario um, and i think it i it's probably because like as a genre savvy like watchers we also know that like the status quo will be returned by the end of the movie that's how these movies work and i think it to me, it's partly because the last few episodes of the main series, the kind of approaching mm-hmm. dread of invasion is really done effectively. Um, mm-hmm. I, 
it's actually been a while. What's, another thing that's kind of interesting is I watched this purely standalone. Um, I didn't like rewatch all the show leading up to this for this podcast. So it was really interesting just like jumping straight back in and seeing if it still worked. Um, and it really did. I mean, the whole show recaps literally everything like several times at the start. Um, but yeah, I just remember at the time, like, you know, I, yeah, the lead up to the finale did a really good job of like, just even being really concerned for his friends and, and, uh, sending them away and making sure that beach cities residents weren't in danger. And then this film kind of puts them in danger. And I, you know, I don't ever believe that they are for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like Steven universe is a show that I feel like didn't really have like a set 100% status quo that it always returned back to. So in that respect, um, I wasn't expecting the, uh, the, the return to exactly how it was before, um, for the, the world ending plot. Um, just because things are always changing in Steven universe. So, and and I think of Steven universe. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, they even like say it in the in the movie, you know, it's it's Steven's ability to change that has, you know, helped him, you know, become who he is now, that kind of thing. So, um, and I and I feel like they did uh they did nod to that in the way that, you know, the the physical landscape of Beach City was changed. But yeah. At the same time, you're right. It's not really believable that that these characters are necessarily imperiled just because, you know, they're not the the show isn't interested in killing off people <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, it would have felt really cheap. But yeah. I mean, that's partially what that anime movie feeling is where I mean, I, I haven't watched all the Dragon Ball movies, and I know that they do things, but for me, the kind of Sailor Moon movies, they can have really high stakes and be really epic, but they can't really add any plot. <laughs> that kind of assumption mm-hmm. that, you know, the the TV show is where what everyone will be watching, and it's free to see, and, and uh, the movie is this extra bonus. It's like the Pokemon movies as well, which... Um, you know, they have the most epic adventure ever and then we'll never really mention or <laughs> address what happened to them again. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Fa- famously in the first Pokemon movie, they just wipe everybody's memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, which this one does as well, but in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that's my kind of, I wouldn't even say negative. It's it, All of that is to say that I actually think the Memory Raise is really effective, and I think what the true standout is is Spinel. Like, what a mm-hmm. great character. Truly. August, opinions yeah. on Spinel. Okay, I'm about to disappoint you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so, Spinel is a really interesting and compelling character, but I felt like she was so over the top at times that it was difficult to 
like it was it was difficult to really find her believable in some ways like her backstory is horribly tragic um once again we're we're on the fuck rose quartz train um i mean you know fuck pink diamond but mm-hmm. you know just she was so over the top and like the the level of violence that she enacted felt not excessive, but it felt more intense than even like Jasper in my mind. Like Jasper was a a really violent person, but the way that her violence got depicted never felt this over the top. Like everything about Spinell is over the top. And that made her like redemption really difficult to accept. Like I see where they were going. I see why they want why they want us to sympathize with Spinell and why they want to, you know, have Spinell have, you know, the the moment of, you know, I I can and should do better. But just the the way that they had portrayed her up until this point made it really difficult for me to to accept that. On top of like uh, you know, as always, we're going to go into mommy issues here. Just the the way that they they tried to put a bow on her arc with having her go live with the diamonds who like at this point are showing themselves to be really codependent and, you know, hinging their entire like identities on being needed by a younger figure just you know it it's super unhealthy like it we're we're supposed to we're supposed to see this as as being a good thing for both parties but it it just feels super unhealthy to me and so that that also kind of soured me a little on Spinell and her character arc but god the scene in the garden is so fucking good truly but yeah that's that's my overall thoughts on uh, her fun fact about that that uh final song between spinel and the diamonds um there is double digit tony nominations and like something like seven tony awards in that song (laughs) i mean i'm not surprised it's a good song i'm not i'm not oh no i'm talking about the like the the voice actors involved every one of them or okay everyone but blue diamonds voice actor has a tony nom and at least one tony award to their name and then the blue diamonds voice actor i think has a gold record so (laughs) nice (laughs) the amount of talent in that one little song is just absolutely mind-blowing i mean it it's a good song like Mm -hmm. i I liked all of the music in the in the movie. Like all of the music was really fucking good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, which is, sorry, no, go ahead. Uh, it's it's just weird for me to say that because I'm I'm notoriously really, I have a really difficult time with musicals, largely because like I have a difficult time absorbing the lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, and lyrics are such a huge part of musicals because that's where the bulk of the storytelling takes place. But I don't know something about the, the Krooniverse uh, 
and the way that they assemble music made it a lot easier for me to absorb the lyrics and keep track of the storytelling and stuff. So, um, you know, kudos to them. That's interesting. I don't want to um, assign too much amateur um, psychology to this or whatever. But as you're talking, I my next question was going to be like, are you a fan of musicals? Because something about um, the way you were describing Spinell and, and uh, being less satisfied with that character arc. Um, genuinely, I don't know what it was, but it made me think like, well, to me, I'd never... Someone I'd never thought about her that deeply, but I can just be like so won over by a pretty song, and <laughs> the like. The she has in my like three incredible songs: so like villain song, and the garden song, and then the finale going away. And if you just play me those three songs like out of context, I would truly like. I'd still be as in love with the character as I am just like from, um, uh, yeah, I, I just, I love, I love, I'm a huge musical fan. And, um, in my way of thinking, like music, like writing music and singing is like such a natural way of communicating feelings and like character. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's it's just one of the ways that uh, I think about all characters. Even if I'm not writing something that's musical, I'll always give my characters like a playlist or uh, even just like come up with songs mm. that they would hypothetically sing if we were making a musical. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it it's uh, obviously this show is filled with music. Um, was that like daunting to you when the show started? Um. um, it, I had a little passing familiarity with some of the music. Like I was on Tumblr during the time that Steven universe aired. So I didn't come into this like completely, uh, completely blind. Like I knew about stronger than you. Um, and, uh, some of the other music in the show. Um, and so it it wasn't very daunting because I found that I really liked the music that I had been hearing, uh, incidentally. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize there was as much music in the show as there is. Um, and I don't like I don't hate musicals or anything like that. I just find them really difficult. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like there are there are the occasional musicals that I can latch on to. I. I was part of the Hamilton craze. Um, I really enjoyed that, but I, I never really had problems with the music in Steven universe. Like it, maybe it also helps. I watch Steven universe entirely with subtitles on too. So that probably helps a little bit. Um, but just the, the music is so well put together that I find it easier to focus on it than uh, I do in other capacities for like other musicals like i i know for a fact that if i could if i could manage to to process the lyrics properly i'd probably love hades town but uh just uh lyrics lyrics hard yeah i get that i'm i'm much more like that with um pop music or any like song that isn't a musical song 
um, that I hear, uh, I can like really love the song. And then like two years into listening to it, go, oh, that's what it's about. I've just realized uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> something about musicals. I can kind of get, I can sort of get it with the uh, plot and context clues. But it's, it is interesting. And like, I don't know where you, you said that the Crooniverse had a way of uh, making it easier the way they do music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd never felt, I never once felt lost watching the movie, which is just like a testament because of how much of the movie is told through song. Um, but I, I never once felt lost or anything like that. Like it's, the the music in Steven Universe has always been really good and I've always been able to follow it. So, um, and that's, you know, I knew going into it that Steven, that the movie was going to be a musical. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't dread that. Cause like, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was going to be not not challenging, but I didn't feel like it was going to be difficult. Like I think in in the hands of uh, another production company, um, it probably would have been daunting. Mm. Again, I'm thinking of My Little Pony. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I we did a musical episode in Dead End, and to me, the like biggest crime any musical does is. Um, it just doesn't understand why musical numbers happen. And I I haven't watched My Little Pony, but I, I've seen a lot of um, cartoon shows that just like feel like have to fill a quota of songs per episode or uh, per season. And they write them about the most innocuous like emotions that don't mean anything. And to me, a, a like musical number in anything it happens when the emotions are so complicated it's easier to sing than to talk them out. So mm-hmm. I think this does a good job of that. I think loads of the songs happen because it's like the last option they have left to save someone or remind someone who they are or help someone through a challenging uh, sequence. Mm-hmm. And also a universe that seemingly understands that sometimes people just break out into song. This is just a thing that people do. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize the music was all diegetic, but evidently all of the, the musical numbers are diegetic, according to the movie, which is buck wild. But, you know, that's fine. Um, and I I did uh, also deeply enjoy the uh, musical episode in the first season of Dead End, like I had not been expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. It was tied for my favorite episode of season one. Thank you. So, uh, uh, to um, um to actually con- to convince um, Netflix that we could do a musical episode and do a full Broadway show in a twenty minute episode, um, I showed them Mr. Greg that episode uh, where they go to the hotel. Oh yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. I think like that's so impressive as an 11 minute episode still feeling like you've watched a full Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's something we've talked about a number of times watching Steven Universe is for an 11 minute show. It never 
feels like it's a it, it never feels like it's only 11 minutes but it also like doesn't feel too like it they they very quickly figure out how to like absolutely nail their pacing with this show yeah um to the point that sometimes august and i when we in, in between seasons we watch other stuff and august and i are like are like oh fuck b plots exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, I liked being a 22-minute show, um, but there's mm-hmm. certain freedoms with an 11-minute where um, sometimes we'd come up with episode ideas, but they like couldn't really sustain a 20-minute, but would be the perfect Steven Universe episode. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah. I'd be interested in working on one of them. <laughs> one day. Um... Would you like, uh, August, would you like to know um, what really expensive musical artist they got to be Steg's voice actor? Yes, I would love to because it sounded familiar, but I couldn't quite place it. It's Ted Leo from Ted Leo and the Pharmacists. Okay, I have no idea why uh, why he sounded familiar. Because You've probably I heard not... Ted Leo songs, to be perfectly honest. He was very po- like they were very popular when we were in high school. I don't know. Would they have been popular with the corn slash Lincoln Park crowd? Because that was that was who I was <laughs> as a high schooler. I forget that you weren't a theater kid like me. <laughs> no, I was right. not a theater kid. I was I was a band kid briefly, and then you, I dropped out of band. Yeah, you've probably heard Ted Leo songs before, just like at, in the world that we grew up in. Um, it's just wild that that duet, the um, uh between opal and uh steg is like amy mann and ted leo doing a duet for this this movie that premiered on cartoon (laughs) network (laughs) it's a good Uh, duet though um here's some uh terrible information that i now know about steg that you have to know about steg because i can't bear this knowledge alone um steg species 25% gym 75% human (laughs) is listed by the wikipedia age 58 (laughs) <laughs> wow I don't know where wow. they get that number I guess they just combined Greg and Steven's ages but like Greg's gotta be older than that yeah or not older than 58 but older than like whatever you sure? like 32 he's older than 32 right? he's gotta be maybe he isn't I gotta know no I can't know oh no. <laughs> uh that meant he had he had Steven when he was 16. That's he's got to be older than 32. No, 42. All right, he's 42. No, he is 42 in the movie. Okay, yeah. So okay, he was that, 26 when he, which is totally normal yeah. age to have a kid. Um Yeah. But where did they get 58? That's tw- no, that's 16 plus. Oh, I did my math wrong. Yeah. I yeah. can't do math. That's uh that's what happened there. Yeah. We're we're both can drive gaze, not do math gaze. <laughs> Bad at math, good at geometry. That's me. Uh-huh. Uh but uh yeah, just the amount of musical talent they get that Steven Universe regularly pulls down uh, just by having Estelle as a regular voice actor on mm. their cast. Yeah. Uh, Did you have other favorite musical numbers that we haven't talked about? 
Honestly, um, I, I do think my favorite number was uh, it's I'm torn between the one in the garden and uh, the one with Steg because uh, those were both really, really solid. Mm-hmm. Another uh, banger from Sadie Killer and the Suspects on this this particular movie. Uh huh. Um, I really loved. Um, I think it's called "Isn't It Love." The Estelle mm-hmm. sort of. I mean, I was a big Estelle. <laughs> Fun fact: Estelle being in this cartoon was one of the reasons I first watched it because I was just like really into her. <laughs> um so whenever and they like really teased her singing the first season um so whenever she sings it's a real event for me and um again it was just like such a lovely little love song it has like little trumpets in the background that i just i adore (laughs) the i also really like the I guess like the finale of it. Um, that's really fun. Mm. Um, oh, that reminds me, we we're talking about how like it kind of stands alone, but I think and you were talking about being like a backdoor pilot to future. And I think there's a scene in here that I had not caught until I watched it again for this. There's like a line from Steven because at the it because it feeling at the beginning of this movie, Steven is ready to like put down the sword, you know, and just vibe uh, is really what he is. He is wanting to do at the beginning of this movie. And uh, he looks at Spinell like near the end of the movie and he goes, I always I'm always going to have work to do. And I was like, oh, cool. That's it. Here we go. Here's the conceit of future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Stephen, Stephen can't process can't process this shit. Don't spoil it. But yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah i was like oh interesting because it feels like because the steven at the beginning of this movie doesn't feel necessarily like the steven who's at the beginning of future um and the show like the movie is like is canon because spinel yeah you know, i guess spoiler to august who probably could have figured it out spinel eventually comes back in future everybody comes mm-hmm. back in future um but um yeah, the that little line, I was like, oh, shit, the boy, the, the boy, he's he collected a new trauma. Let's go. <laughs> I, will, I will be honest, like when I when I saw that that line, my first thought, because we had just finished watching Dead End, was that one point where, you know, Barney sees his dead body and is just like, oh, I need to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> and thinking, man, Steven needs a therapist. <laughs> yeah that is uh in a nutshell that is the uh that you can describe the entirety of future using just those words <laughs> <laughs> sorry minor minor spoilers for dead end but mm-hmm. i don't think that that's too big of a spoiler <laughs> i i have to say i love the recurring bit that barty is dying every season <laughs> well here's the thing i mean not to just diverge on my show for a second but um with the whole bury your gaze trope, like, mm-hmm. I was worried that people would think that, why do you always kill Barney off? But if you look at it from the perspective of, he can't die, <laughs> he always comes back. <laughs> uh, it sort of works that way. We're not killing Barney off, he's immortal. <laughs> yeah. Man. 
Okay. I do want to to take a a bit of a divergence and talk about like the diamonds and how they continue to be shitty. They how they continue to be so shitty. Mm. Um I I on one hand I find them to be a little cartoonish uh and a little bit of a caricature uh from where we last see them at the end of Steven Universe but on the other hand I fucking love how they're still shitty people and how yellow's like ugh I've liberated all of my colonies what more do you want from me <laughs> um and blue being like I don't make anybody sad anymore <laughs> and the the whole like I even say please and thank you to lesser life forms and it's just it's so good it's so good I like I know I had my misgivings about like the way that the the diamonds get their redemption arcs because of you know my my personal experiences with like you know abusers and things like that but um I did just deeply enjoy the fact that the show didn't forget that they're shitty mhm the I think they're also a little bit more cartoonish because I think part of the the movie makes it pretty clear in its plotting that they are expecting people who have never seen the show before to be able to watch this movie and get it. And I think if you you can't have care, especially with the diamonds who are going to be on screen for like a total of like a minute and a half, you've just got to mm. be able to immediately communicate their like what their fucking deal is. Yeah. And also, you technically have the framing device of, you know, they're they're telling a story from a storybook. So, you know, mm. Uh, they get flattened a little that way too, but I still just deeply enjoy how they're they're still shitty. They're so bad. I love them. They're awful. I love it. I think, yeah, like something that was constantly discoursed back and forth with this show is it's using a lot of the imagery of this uh, huge empire, but it's it's kind of really not about that. It's about families and being in a difficult family. Mm -hmm. And as a kid's show, mm -hmm. um, you know, as someone who's also written a kid's show, one of the balances that's really hard to strike is how much do you want to show people how it is versus how much do you want to show people how it should be? And like mm -hmm. Steven Universe is quite a should be show in the sense that oh, yeah. like, Oh yeah. It's a fantasy about how the worst people in the universe can be turned around with by a song or just by being nice. And we all know that's not true. Um, but like this show made the decision that that is true in this world. And yeah, that, that bumps me up the wrong way sometimes. I think sometimes it's very admirable. Sometimes it's what you need to watch and sometimes it can feel annoying that they're not getting it, <laughs> you know? Um, in Dead End, we made, like, we had this conversation early on in the writer's room where we were just like, does homophobia and transphobia exist in this world? And it can be very tempting to say, no, it's like, you know, it's a kid's show. It should be really fun and happy. But we decided, mm, mm, let's 
let's make it actually a part of this world and have these characters be going through some of the things that the audience might be going through. Um, there's no good or, you know, there's no way that's better or worse. Um, yeah, I think, right. I think maybe people, and I was one of them a little bit, I think maybe people who went into the finale expecting um, Steven to just like break the neck of White Diamond and say like, no, you know, some crimes are unforgivable. We're probably a little naive, but it can, it can yeah. be frustrating a little bit when, especially as you're saying, if you're going through something with an abusive family or manipulators and the show is seemingly saying like, well, have you tried singing to them? Um, yeah, it's like a hard, like hard thing to get completely right. Yeah. I I don't think that there's necessarily a right way to do it either. And in the episode, um, I definitely try to make sure that it's specifically because of where I'm coming from in my personal experiences, why that didn't land for me. But I understand that Steven universe is very much an aspirational show. Like we talk about it quite frequently. It's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of messaging that, you know, didn't land just because it's like, you know, that's not how the real world works in our experience, but we understand that this is how the real world should work. Like you should be able to get somebody to stop hurting you by telling them, Hey, you're hurting me. Um, and like, you know, I definitely think that there's value in that. It's just, you know, it's difficult for me to put my own experiences aside and, and enjoy it in that way. Totally. Um, so like definitely don't, don't get us wrong. Like this isn't us saying that it's bad for doing that. Uh, or me saying it's bad for doing that. It's just, it didn't work for me because of where I'm coming from. Totally. I didn't think that. I think it's um, a really, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why the show is so, still talked about so much, is there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) There's a lot to, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think the creators of it are discouraging people having these responses. Um, So... It's just interesting. I think the show does a really interesting job of like trying to show uh, different ways. Like uh, so much sort of villain redemption happens in the show, but a lot of it is done in different ways or takes a a different amount of time. But ultimately Mm -hmm. it is a show about villains who get redeemed by uh, our hero being nice to them. And like, Maybe I think it, I couldn't imagine it keep going for like another season of that. Like it really, I think when, you know, were it the kind of show that would have a full, never big arc, uh, you'd have to eventually accept that that can't happen all the time. Yeah. I, I do, I do love how they lampshaded that with, uh, Bismuth and Lapis and Peridot talking about how long it took them to stop wanting to kill Steven. <laughs> um, I thought that was a really great bit. Um, mm. Especially Lapis being like, I'm still on the fence. Like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Lapis, no character in Steven Universe wants to murder somebody more than Lapis. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Like let Peridot say fuck and let Lapis let Lapis Yeah, do one little murder. murder. One little murder. Although, uh, also speaking of Peridot, um, my Amidot ship lives. I'm so excited. <laughs> just a just a crumb of Amidot just for me. Uh, all right. Well, we have a few questions from the server. Actually, we have a, a set of questions from the server. Uh, these are... Um, no, wait. I thought there was something. Okay, here we go. They're both from Sean. Uh, I'm going to do Sean's. So some of them are about the movie and then some of them are directed at you, uh, <laughs> Hamish. So I'm going to do the movie once first. Okay. Um, Sean said, also, you can come and comment on things and talk to people uh, via time travel. If you join our Discord server, the link is in the description of the episode. You're this far in. We're like. You're this far in. You've got to know where to go <laughs> find the descriptions for the episodes at this point. Um, so uh, Sean says, Yellow looks weirdly menacing, begging Steven to stay. Also, I blame uh, Spinel for getting me into electro music. Um, sure is lucky that the planet uh, effect destroying super weapon only affected Beach City and not uh, on a surface level, though. Um The they also say uh, he also says uh, Spinel is the only part of Rose's story I've never been able to reconcile with her generally trying to become a better person. Why do you think she never tried to go back for her? Um, I think on that part, I think the the thing with it is like it's the same reason that like Rose never went and freed all the humans from the zoo either. Is that by the time she becomes Rose Quartz? Um, and all of that happens. There's no there, there's no going back like it just fundamentally cr- like by going back and freeing Spinel, it absolutely unravels the entire ball of yarn. Yeah, also, you know. Which I mean. Just. Pink Diamond has a history of making these poor decisions with regards to people who are hers in, you know, in the most literal way possible. Like Spinel is absolutely coded as like being a fucking game boy. Um, and I don't know. I I think it it fits right in with Rose's character 100% to do this and then not undo it because she's being selfish. Um because it's like she can't she can't own up to her mistakes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, we see this with Pearl too with like the the imperative that Rose gives Pearl with uh, the secret of her quote unquote shattering. Like there's never a time where Rose undoes that. There's never a time where she even necessarily that, that we can see at least there's never a time that she even thinks about that anymore. It's just one order that she gave when she was pink diamond and 
you know, that's it. She's done being pink diamond. So she's done thinking about those orders. Like, but then again, like, I don't necessarily have a good view on Rose or her, her like quest to become a better person. So, (laughs) you know, it's a lot easier for me to accept this as like, yeah, that tracks and not think anything of it or be conflicted about how that fits in with Rose's character. But (laughs) you and Steven on the same page on this one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I laughed at that. That was, I'm, I'm so glad that Steven is on that page as well. But, you know, as, as number two Rose Quartz hater, (laughs) uh, you know, this, this tracks for me. So number one, Rose Quartz. Number one Rose Quartz hater is in fact not me. It's uh it's our friend Riley who hates Rose Quartz with a fiery passion. But in Riley's defense, Riley hates all moms. Uh literally owns the domain fuck uh my mom can go to hell.com. So <laughs> uh, hit up Riley on their Patreon. I my mom can go to hell.com. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, I I I it's interesting the duality of like um like spinel as a character and a, like a conceptually a character is something that like rebecca sugar had been thinking about for a long time uh coming into the movie because uh she talks about the inspiration for or they talk about uh the inspiration for spinel being um like a toy rabbit um that they used to have that they they forgot about and like left in the garden mm. And then came back to find where, like, the the back had been sun-faded, but the front was still fine. Um, and because they wrote uh, um, Everything Stays in Adventure Time, um, written by Rebecca Sugar, is also about the same concept. And you could literally play it over footage of Spinel and be like, yeah, this fits. Uh, <laughs> the And so it's interesting that the... Like, just Spinel is a concept of, like, what happens to the people that, like, is conceptually, like, what happens to the people that you leave behind as you, as you grow up, uh, and you don't, you know, you don't think about, like, you don't have a conception of, like, you know, where did those people, like, like, how were you important to those people's lives and you didn't necessarily realize it or you weren't consciously thinking about it, and I, you know. I I uh big fan of Spinell um but also probably coming at the the movie similarly to how Shame or Hamish was um uh saying is like when I saw the movie it was like oh thank fuck there's more Steven Universe <laughs> <laughs> like oh god thank Jesus so so yeah yeah uh, I'm not I'm not saying Spinell is bad it's just I know you mentioned that I'm going to have a new favorite gem, and unfortunately, that's not the case. The, the, um, the hyper edgy, super morphy cartoon with a with a scythe is not like I feel like I had a pretty good read on this August. You, you did, you did. <laughs> like under other circumstances, I think I would have been all over Spinel, but just you know, I like I said, and and I think I think Hamish like absolutely you know read me properly as well if i if i were more into musicals maybe it would have been mm-hmm. uh i would have been more like willing to accept the stuff that i had a hard time with 
Yeah, that's fair. So. Um, but but no, you're you're right. Hyper edgy <laughs> wields a scythe probably, you know, it does sound like August bait. You're right. <laughs> um, do you have any negative Rose Quartz opinions that you need to air, Hamish? <laughs> um, no, I I love a complicated character. I don't have any conflicts of liking bad characters because I'm I'm just such mm-hmm. a um sucker for interesting writing and especially like female characters getting to be that complicated and multifaceted haha gem pun like <laughs> i i i really like it i felt definitely <laughs> i remember a time when like a lot of people were very excited by rose um as a fat character and getting to cosplay someone like that who is so beloved and as the show went on, I remember a lot of those cosplayers having to deal with people coming up to them and saying, like, God, I hate Rose. Um, <laughs> so I feel a bit sad about that. But, like, I don't know. If there's any female character in anything that everyone in the fandom hates, I tend to be, like, their biggest defender for no reason. <laughs> I just, like... Yeah. Um, there's this tweet that goes around, which is, like, female character does some truly like horrific shit and then her gaze are like oh my god work <laughs> so that's kind of where i am you know who hasn't had a zoo of people or abandoned their best friend in a garden for six thousand years like yeah the, yeah i for, yeah for, this for the this record we don't, oh, yeah. yeah this bros quartet isn't coming from a perspective of disliking complicated female characters it's it's more a matter of once again my own personal bullshit i got mommy issues and so like if rose quartz were existed as a character who was not a mother i would be all over her Mm. but just the adding that particular aspect to her made it really difficult for me to enjoy her as a character yeah because we stand a war criminal on this on this podcast absolutely Uh, also like she's Uh, one aspect I find interesting about her is that she's not, she's dead. Like it's, it's so interesting us talking about um, her as this character, but it's all backstory and it's all through Mm -hmm. almost all through other people talking about her. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to watch it like a character's story in reverse. Yeah. Where you like only learn, you sort of start with the legend and then kind of meet them as a messy person who, I don't know. It's all it's all interesting. That's why it's such a good show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't hate we never want like we generally like what like she's compelling. Like whatever the fuck oh, is yeah. going on with Rose is extremely compelling for sure. I mean, I also like Rose like way more than August does. <laughs> like I'm like, oh yeah. Rose. Um the the I am the I am the podcast's Rose Quartz defender by default. <laughs> 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 um but we have a couple of questions for you specifically, Seamus. Also from Sean. Um, the Hamish. huh? You said Seamus. Seamus, <laughs> sorry, I was reading Sean. Sean. I keep saying, "All right, listen, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm coming off of like literally getting caught up on WWE last night. Who whom st- the wrestler Seamus is a very big, uh." <laughs> A very big part of the storyline right now. It's okay. And uh, so. I'm just pleased that you've been yeah, pronouncing Hamish correctly because most people don't. 
How the fuck do they pronounce it? Um, usually Hamish, which I don't mind. Hamish? Just let it. Oh, okay. I mean, it may be the, like, it may be the weird Southern <laughs> accent mm-hmm. has accidentally backdoored me into pronouncing your name correctly. Because I ain't know, I don't know how to pronounce nothing correctly. <laughs> I've been, I've been poisoned by my, by my, like, um, accent. Um, all right. So, uh, Sean says, uh, what is... So I'm just going to, like, knock out these four questions. You mm-hmm. can answer them however you want. What is your favorite part of season one? What were your inspirations for the musical episode? Uh, who is your favorite character? And what is something that you wish you had known, learned earlier regarding making the show? Wowzers. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, my favorite episode of season one is the musical one. I've already mm-hmm. said I'm a big musical fan. Um, so it was kind of a, a dream come true to, true to have a TV show, but also to get to make a musical. Um, mm-hmm. And then, what was the next question? Um, oh, what were the inspirations for the musical episode? Yeah, so it's not. It was meant to be a love letter to like horror musicals. So mm-hmm. um, it's not just like a musical. We kind of reference to the music. Um, obviously, Phantom of the Opera, but also. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors and Rocky Horror and Sweeney Todd and um, I've just always kind of loved that musicals and horror so often kind of go hand in hand um, and I know we're living in a post Joss Whedon world but the Buffy musical mm-hmm. was definitely a big inspiration yeah. because like our show and like a lot of the time in Steven Universe um, I believe musical numbers need to be important and earned and mm-hmm. I, it understands that to uh to a uh stunning degree the buffy episode does yeah like a lot of people don't like musicals a lot of people want to skip a musical episode and we like both our shows force people not to because it's very plot relevant and i think mm-hmm. i think people don't like musicals um for good reason a lot of the time and a lot of musical episodes in shows are really bad because they're just like filler and they exist because wouldn't it be funny to see our actors sing? And yeah, uh, I didn't want it to be like that. I wanted it to be plot relevant. And I mentioned earlier that musical numbers happen when characters can no longer say what they feel. And so in our show, Norma would never have like confronted Pauline normally um, and said everything that she feels had it not been for a musical spell. So that's kind of where it came from. Um, I think one of the questions was like favorite character, which I like just can't answer. I don't know. That's really like, I know that <laughs> pick a favorite child. Amy. Yeah. I know that's a really like that typical answer, but like, I mean, Barney and Norma are both me. So like, I like them for that reason. Courtney is like definitely the most fun to write for. Pugsley is the one that I would love to like, meet most <laughs> like um so it's really hard um i do know if we ever got any more seasons i would love to voice scored uh who's the red slug <laughs> um because he's the most fun to draw i think um, i love gord is so delightful i am i'm i am uh, extremely uh pleased with the expanded character uh of gord in season two <laughs> um and there was another question or something i wish i knew um mm-hmm. 
I mean, here's the thing. I had been training and pitching and, and trying to get a show made for years. And then we finally entered production in November 2020, uh, in March 2020. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So we, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if there's something I wish I knew because I don't know if it would have been relevant. And I feel <laughs> right. like in some ways that kind of baptism of fire has been really good because now hopefully I'll never work on something again quite so chaotic and frightening. Yeah. Um, I've said this a few times. Truly jumping in the deep end. <laughs> yeah. I've said this a few times, but like as sad as I was that, uh, you know, my first chance to make a show happened in the pandemic I was so happy to have that in the pandemic, just like something to work on, something to look forward to. And I felt mm-hmm. extremely lucky constantly that we like worked on something that could continue. Um, so I know I would just tell if I could talk to past me, I'd be like, don't worry. It's a good thing. Cause I spent a lot of that time just being so ups- like upset, but on reflection, like I said, I'm just, I feel extremely lucky that, I got to make a show and got to mm-hmm. continue working and have something every day to wake up and feel productive about. Nice. I had a question. This question from the server comes from me. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was reading an interview um, that you had done. I cannot see, I cannot refine the source, uh, but you had mentioned it previously here. You were talking about like the idea of like YA cartoons in the same vein as like YA movies and books and things like that, citing um, Infinity Train. And I just, I latched onto the idea because I find it so, because in- like I too have been watching sort of like the evolution of like, like animated media starting to start tor- target that that YA demographic mm-hmm. um you know specifically now because I'm interacting with like a YA like I you know I, I you know I've spent a lot of time with Daniel and watching the things that he he watches and reads and, and things like that I is a subject that I'm becoming increasingly more interested in because I have a personal like best interest in in that sort of like style of media and I just don't know if you want to expand on that or talk about it more or, or if you just want to gush about infinity train with me <laughs> uh <laughs> Well, a show that I'm saving for our like some between season stuff for me in August. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dead End constantly shifted during mm-hmm. production, kind of what its target age group was. I always knew that the, I mean, the books are YA, and mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted the adaptation to capture the spirit of the books. But I couldn't pitch a YA show. I like that kind of didn't exist at the time, and still sort of doesn't if the animation industry is, you know, going the way it's going. Um, and like, so YA, like it, the books can feel a little bit more mature sometimes, or they don't feel pressured to like, make sure there's a joke every few seconds. Um, and when you pitch to like cartoon studios, they just have the adult department or the, um, kids, kids department, kids department and, and yeah. pre-K as well um, more sharp as well there isn't really anything in the middle because you are, it's assumed that when kids grow out of cartoons they're just watching adult TV which is true to an extent 
I mean, most adult animation is, I would say, watched by teenagers. So yeah. um, I do get where... But the- it's also because there's nothing there to cater to, like, you know, if there's an absence in the market, then you're just going to go to the next next thing, you know? Exactly. Um, there's so much that happens in the in the TV industry where decisions are based on, like, well, no one watches this, and that thing they're talking about doesn't exist, so of course no one watches it. Um, or right. they're not investing in it enough um so i don't know i would i would hope there's going to be more um ya animation um that was i guess in the before times when i thought there'd be more animation in general and yeah everyone seems really scared of it now so i'm not i'm not certain i i don't know um which way it'll be going but it's the area it's the type of writing i like writing the most um and I'm going to keep making YA graphic novels and comics and hoping they get adapted. There was definitely times during the production of Dead End where we had to think, like, what the balance was. Like, how far can we go with adult stuff? How kiddie can we go? Um, mm-hmm. And part of the way we handled that is that Pugsley is this little dog who's just got consciousness, basically. Um <laughs> he is like the little brother, the like kid view into this world. Um, so we always made sure that we like, even if we're doing adult stuff, that there was always this more kiddie perspective in there as well. Um, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where, yeah. <laughs> what things happen. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. I just you had said that and my brain has been uh, was activated by it. And it's all I could think about for months, frankly, um, (laughs) while we've been doing this show that is, you know, arguably like Steven Universe future is not is not a kid's show. (laughs) Mm. Um, Or not kid's show in the same way that Steven Universe is. It's decidedly talking to the audience that like started watching Steven Universe and then like grew up with it. Yeah. Um, much like Steven did, you know? Yeah. The audience that is, in fact, probably closer to like 14 to 16 than they were when they started watching Steven Universe. Um. But yeah. Um. But yes, the <laughs> thank you <laughs> for that. And. Uh, OK, I think that might be all of our things. We didn't. uh we didn't have a whole lot of questions, oddly enough, for the movie. Um, I think everybody was a little burned out from the the, the finale as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Well, um, what are fucking? What are we? We're watching the the third Ava movie, right? That's what we're doing next. <laughs> August. Yeah. We're just doing the third yeah, Ava movie. I- okay. I think so, yeah. We've been slowly getting through the Ava movies as we go through the series. Oh, wow. Uh, speaking of Ava, or speaking of anime references in the, in this movie, uh, I got to go backwards a little bit. Um, goddamn is Rose's Garden not just the fucking Rose Garden from the the Utena movie? Oh yeah, it's just exact, it absolutely is. It's that for it's like almost note for note that same fucking design. <laughs> Also got to shout out the uh, Akira bike slide on Lion by Connie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, always love to see it in montages of Akira bike slides when they pop up. Just Connie sliding in on a lion. 
Um, but yeah, uh, so we're watching the third Ava movie next. You can find it on Amazon. Um, the August and I, if you want to um, give August and I money so we can figure out how to get to an IMAX theater to go watch the fourth Ava movie, we'll record the podcast in my car afterwards. I guarantee <laughs> this. This is my promise to oh you. Oh my God. Um, it's just me and August trying to find an IMAX theater that is equidistant from us. <laughs> the real actual issue. So I don't have to drive to Atlanta. Um, but, um, Hamish, do you want to? Do you have anything to promote? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Um, (laughs) just keep watching Dead End, telling everyone about it. Dead End Paranormal Park. It's, uh... Um... Put it on repeat on the background of your television when you go to work. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, do whatever. I think everyone's been spreading the word, so I feel kind of Mm -hmm. rude telling Dead End fans to, like, keep watching it and spreading the word, because I know they do a good job of that. Um, Mm -hmm. New... I'm working on the Dead End year books again so new editions come out next year including the third Hell book yeah. and um yeah watch more steven universe <laughs> yeah um when we uh we're gonna have actually uh i don't know hopefully we'll have I, if we have the art by the time you're hearing this dear listener uh we'll have the season six art up uh lou did yet another banger job on on the art um but also i'm gonna officially declare this uh so i can stop editing around it because i'm getting tired of editing around me and august talking about it (laughs) we'll announce what we're doing post steven universe when we start future um so the there's that. You can look forward to that as well with the Steven Universe future uh, premiere. We have uh, some cool guests also lined up for future. Um, if I can maybe pin Riley down, I'm going to try and get Riley trying to get Riley in for <laughs> for the volleyball episode. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, August, what's going on over in FTL land? Uh, by the time this drops, um, the first episode of the Six Arcs movie will have come out. Uh, it's coming out on Monday. Uh, so tomorrow for me, uh, a couple days ago for y'all. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it's good shit. I've, we put a lot of our heart and soul into making the movie the best that it possibly can be. I've put a lot of effort into you know polishing it up as best i possibly can um listen to our six arc stuff it's really good um and uh yeah this will this this kicks off the last bit of it i'm very sad because we're done with these characters but uh we left them in a really interesting place so give it a listen um Roomware pod is still kicking around spooky Appalachia. Um, I think honestly, by the time you're listening, like the, the episodes you're about to hear, uh, I do the best, stupidest, dumbest bit with an NPC I've ever done. Uh, it is, it's the peak. I'm literally like, I'm like, I'll never, I'll never do better than this. 
uh, it's the greatest thing I've ever committed to audio. So <laughs> it's also the stupidest thing I've ever committed to audio. It is is both things at the same time. So I look forward to you guys hearing that, but that will be in a couple of weeks. Um, also, uh, we're about to have a special over on um, Dumb Kids. Uh, so that that's going to be going to be fun. Literally this week, you're going to hear the beginning of um special game that I think you recorded, right? August. I was not there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did it go good? I think that it went really, really well. OK, good. Um, I haven't heard it. I'm going to be hearing it like literally when I edit it. So. It's it's really good, I think. Um, but yeah, check out all of our other shows. Um, links are in the description below. We're part of the, you know, the Standing Stones podcast guild. guild. You can find if you want to also talk more about the Animorphs, go check out Jade and Danielle talking about the Animorphs over on the Escafil files. Um, Hamish, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it was a pleasure. It was so nice to just watch this movie again. Um, I haven't watched any Steven Universe in so long. And I actually was just like, tearful throughout lots of it because i felt like seeing all my friends again oh that's nice i'm glad glad that you got to get to have that experience um oh oh i forgot to tell you about the ending so we usually do an ending um we have a sign off uh it's uh we go um remember listener be like cookie cat and leave your family behind (laughs) uh uh if you would like to say that, you can say that, and then we follow it up with peace, and that's usually how we end the shows. <laughs> um, say it again? Uh, <laughs> um, listener, we, uh, we implore you to be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Okay. Um, listeners, we implore you, be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Uh, peace. Peace. <laughs>